This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in for a breaking news edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. This has been a month in July that has been full of recruiting splashes here in Happy Valley. The Denny Lions making their biggest, yet you can argue, deny Dennis Sutton now on board with the 2022 Penn State recruiting class commitment. Number 21 as this group continues to grow, the ninth edition here in the month of July. And Sean, this is one that you have had on the top of your target board, even when Nick Singleton hadn't yet decided. Deny Dennis Sutton, what a finish for Penn State, Alabama, Georgia, the other hats on the table. And yes, they would have loved to have Deny Sutton, Deny Dennis Sutton on board. Yeah, ne- never a doubt, right? That's what we put there. We put our crystal balls in, in in January and rode them the whole way. Um, now, this one was uh, that was crazy, um, but uh, big win for Penn State. As I said before, I think I think it's the biggest win James Franklin has had. Um, there's there's a bit of hyperbole in there, but the, if you look at the wins that he's had against competition like this, they're few and far between. Um, and this one as big as any. I understand that Penn State's got the tremendous relationship with McDonough. They were the team to beat from the start, and I get that. Um, but with the vigor that Georgia and Alabama came after this kid, uh, especially a kid that's up north, uh, that makes a difference. That is huge. And that's a that's a big one for Penn State. I think this is a kid, uh, a potential face of the program uh, away from him being a fantastic defensive lineman. He's also a great kid, a kid that just you're, you're going to like when you when you have your first interaction with him, whether that be podcast or video or something like that. This is a kid that you're just kind of drawn to. Don and I have talked about in the past. That's kind of the first place we go with it with Deny Dennis Sutton away from all the football stuff. Just a great kid. So I, I can't speak highly enough about this pickup for Penn State. It's a great job by the staff. It's a great job by you know guys that we have talked about in in the past as question marks. Guys like John Scott Jr., who has put together a really really good defensive line class. Um, and but this is the cherry on top. This is the big one for Penn State. Another top 100 prospect for Penn State in terms of the composite ranking and where he lands there from a rating standpoint. I, I look back, Sean, over the course of the James Franklin era, going back to the 2014 recruiting cycle, and really the only defensive signees that they've brought in who have been clearly uh, uh, above him in composite ratings at this stage. Remember, he's, he didn't play as a junior. We're gonna have, he's gonna have a chance to rise, but it's Brandon Smith. Curtis Jacobs and Micah Parsons, each of them evaluated as five-star linebackers, each of them developing into starters at Penn State. Brandon Smith, Curtis Jacobs going to be big pieces of this defense. Parsons, of course, an All-American. Then I Dennis Sutton from the same program as Curtis Jacobs, as our current Nittany Lions defensive lineman, uh, P.J. Mustafer, um, Devon Ellis. That pipeline grows. By the way, Kenny Sanders is back on campus, another McDonough guy. Um, you mentioned this, that that's a huge role here. But in no way was that going to be the determining factor, I think, uh, when you talk about what Alabama, what Georgia were able to present during his visits to Athens and Tuscaloosa. Sandwiched in between that, you had him getting back to Happy Valley for a weekend for his official visit. 
How'd they get it done here, Sean? Because this certainly seemed like it was heading in the wrong direction. Um, you know, the further we got away from his official visit in June before we got here into July. Yeah. Coming out of that Georgia visit, you heard a lot of uh, positive feedback for the dogs. Um, you know, they, they do a really good job closing on guys when they get them on campus, but Penn state had that next weekend uh, or excuse me, had the, the, the rest of the month for him to get through it. Uh not really like the Nick Singleton uh, situation, but kind of, we, you know, we thought Nick Singleton coming out of his Notre Dame visit was going to Notre Dame and Penn state was able to turn that one back around. It's kind of how it happened here. Um, you know, for, for a spell, it looked like he was going to Georgia. And then all of a sudden, I think the relationships won out uh, James Franklin, John Scott, Kenny Sanders, as you mentioned, uh, Anthony Poindexter getting in there, Jay, you know, just everybody, you know, everybody had a, had a hand in this. Um, and it was one of those things where you really weren't sure up until the end, um, that they that they would get it done and and it seemed to to put it over the top. Uh, I I feel like his recruitment um, and I'm not going to get into the comparison that I made on the show earlier this week, but you felt Penn State was in a really good spot. We put that crystal ball in. I I put that crystal ball in after speaking with him um, in either. I think it was either late uh, December, early January. And I'm like, this is a Penn State kid. This is a kid that Penn State is going to be in a great spot for at that point. He had the offers from Alabama, Georgia, and you you just weren't sure. It, you never know how hard those schools are going to push because they can push for the best of the best. And sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. That's why offer lists are so misleading these days. Um, you can say Penn State picked him over or, over Alabama, Georgia, and actually mean it in this one. Whereas mm. for a lot of different guys, it's not that's not the case, and that's why we don't rate based off of offers because offers have become uh, less meaningful than than ever before. So that's kind of a side tangent there. Um, but no, it, it was one of those things where he fit everything that you think about when, when I've been covering this team for over 15 years, you think about that as a Penn state player, as a, as a Penn state kid. And it's a bit of a overused stereotype, but he really fits it fit in well with the, uh, the commits. He told us back then he was in the commit group chat. Um, Peer recruiting was big in this one, um, but the relationships are really what, what brought it back around. And uh, I I think that there's different selling points for Georgia, Penn state, Alabama, Um, Penn state hammered home. Hey, you come here. You, you're here for three years. You focus entirely on football. You're not far from home. Your mom can come see you play. Things like that. Just that the 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 sort of family feel. Um, it was, there's a different selling point when you're when you're in the SEC, and it's it, it was really a big turnaround for Penn State to sort of turn this one on its head, um, like Singleton make that switch and, and and bring it all the way back around. Cause we, as we saw last cycle um, without visits, without getting in front of them and having these uh, you know person to person relationships that didn't happen. And that's been a criticism of, of the Franklin staff, probably the last couple of cycles, even when they did have some visits in, in, in 2019 and 2020. Um, so I, I think that just turning it on its head was, was an unbelievable job. I'll just say that. I mean, it's a, we like to keep our, um, our, our praise sort of succinct and, and under control here, but really an unbelievable job by the staff to get this one done. Our, our last episode, we were asked in the mailbag about memorable back and forth recruitments. And the common theme that we were finding in that discussion, Sean, was that there were committable offers on the table from the elites, the truly the Alabamas of the world, the Ohio states of the world. The we, budding heads. we knew we knew they were committable because those kids would commit to those schools. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, budding heads with those programs who, you know, 
they've got the more recent trophies. They've got the, the hardware that, that they can show off. Uh, Penn State would love to be able to, to present that case more. But coming off a four and five season and doing this, I think, stands out because some of those other names I referenced, uh, Curtis Jacobs, Brandon Smith, we're talking about, you know, coming off of 11 win seasons or coming off of a Big Ten championship run when you start recruiting a guy like Brandon Smith. This time you're coming off of a, a, a bit of a debacle, quite frankly, in 2020. We've talked about that a lot, overcoming it and being able to get hot in the recruiting trail. But when you are having a, a young man like Denai Dennis Sutton go sit across the desk from Nick Saban, who likes to pop those rings, and there's a lot of them on the table, and you still end up getting him the Happy Valley, um, again, it's, it's showing exceeding expectations uh, this this summer for Penn State. And we had pretty high expectations. You were very high. You said they're going to get the 20 commits before August. They've now passed that. But still, I, I think they are just getting it done in a way that I didn't know if they'd be able to, to to do because of where they were, you know, on the field last year, four and five. I just wondered if that would ultimately serve as as a detriment or an impediment that they just couldn't get past in some instances, and they seem to be doing so. There, there was rampant criticism, and a lot of it was was deserved in terms of how they struggled to close out on guys, especially local guys. You know, Fleming, Rucci, those guys. Um, but uh, this is this is one that they were able to to turn around and um, you know have they turned the corner? I, that's that's macro stuff that you probably are wasting your time speaking about. But if you if you look at the wins in this cycle, they've had guys that they've had on the board for a long time. As you said, they're at twenty one commits right now. Could be you know by the end of the month could be at twenty four. I mean that's that's pretty ridiculous when you think about the hit rate um, based on who they brought in for visits, what they've seen in in terms of. Uh, guys that have visited elsewhere and turned around. And, and then then you go with the competition level. I mean, Georgia, number one class in 2018, number two class in 2019, number one class in 2020, number four class in 2021. That's pretty, that's about as good as it gets. I mean, Alabama is always going to be up there. Ohio State's always going to be up there. Clemson, maybe not so much in the recruiting rankings because of the way they work their numbers. Uh, but Georgia is is best of the best. So, um Ton of ton of credit here for James Franklin. Uh, John Scott did, did did some good things here, as I mentioned, bringing back Kenny Sanders, getting that new recruiting staff in there. Alan Zemitis deserves some credit. Hunter Carson deserves some credit. You know, everybody on that defensive uh, recruiting staff deserves a, a lot of credit in this one. So um, can't say enough. I mean, the, the the criticism, as we've said in the past, has been deserved at times. This one now, all the credit is your your credit is worthy of being heaped up upon the staff for this one. Dennis Sutton, uh, we've got him listed. Sean, it looks like six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. I mentioned this earlier. He did not play a junior season. This is a, a very rare situation where we we see now two commitments in the Penn State class who didn't have junior seasons. Jerry Cross up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that was wiped out by the pandemic. That being said, there's a bit of a vacuum in terms of film uh, from Denied Dennis Sutton, but he's been on the camp circuit. You've seen him. You've spoken with him several times. The the instant impact term is thrown around a lot when you talk blue chips. It really does seem to fit, though, in this instance. You, you think about what Penn State's brought in at defensive end over the last couple of years, and um, you know, there, there's been questions there because they, they've brought in guys and that that have been projects, and it's a project type position. You you bring in guys with like Adisa Isaac that's six four, six five, 
205, 210 at that time, and you build them up, and that's one type of project. But you've also got long-term guys. They brought in what Bryce Mostella, Rodney McGraw, Davon Townley, uh, guys like that. And, and you find yourself in a little bit of a hole here. They had to go to the portal to get Arnold Ebikete. Uh, Nick Tarburton, it, it hopefully can be a pleasant surprise for them. And if he can be, that's such a big piece for that. You move Zariah Fisher down there. You can maybe see Jesse Luchetta playing in there. So, you know, defensive end is gone from pretty steady and then all of a sudden you lose those two guys to the NFL and you got plenty of question marks. So, but I think Denai Dennis Sutton in terms of being ready to go, um, probably in that Yitor Gross Matos mold, um, probably think his ceiling's a little bit higher than Yitor, which is saying something for a second round pick. Um, but this is, uh, this is a guy that I think can come in play right away as a freshman. I don't know if he's going to be a, uh, a knockdown drag out couple sack guy as a freshman, but he can get in there and play right away. Uh, not having his junior season, obviously is not ideal, but at least he's, he gets to play as a senior, uh, from phenomenally talented kid. Uh, we saw him at Under Armour Baltimore just kind of blew away the competition there. We invited him. He did not get an Under Armour, uh, all American invite that day and how that did not happen. I have no idea. Um, it was kind of mind blowing and, and they felt the same way. The McDonough crew, crew felt the same way. So we turned around and invited him to the, uh, the, all the arm, the old army game um, in San Antonio. And he accepted on the spot. So we're really, really excited to, uh, to have him in that game. So all American caliber uh, player, uh, all American caliber kid. Um, we just, and kind of a behind the curtain look right now, we're recording this before our updated rankings come out. We know he's going to go up a little bit on 24 seven sports or maybe a, a lot on 24 seven sports. Who knows? Um, but, his composite's going to go up. So that's why we haven't told you what number he is. Um, Cause we don't, we not math guys. Uh, we're not going to figure that out. Um, but this is, this kid is going to end up Penn state's uh, highest. I, I believe Penn state's highest rated composite player. And when we look right now, that is Nick Singleton, who is also in the Army All-American Bowl. That's going to be must-see TV for us and for Penn State fans. Sean, you've got a, a Penn State backfield with Nick Singleton and Drew uh, Aller now committed to play in that game. And add denied Dennis Sutton. There's a lot to look forward to might down be, in San Antonio. Might be Antonio. checking some flights for San Antonio here. Yeah, That's no a, kidding. No kidding. sell job in there. <laughs> um, and, and you talk about Utah Gross Matos. So that kind of brings me to my next point. Um, considering the size here. Um, do you see this uh, Denai Dennis Sutton as the kind of defensive front figure who can move inside like Yitor did throughout his career? We saw him playing defensive tackle position in certain packages, pass for our situations. Can Denai Dennis Sutton fit that mold for what they're looking for uh, in this defensive scheme? I think he fits a lot of the things that Yitor did. I think he's a little bit more explosive. Um, Yitor is a little bit longer and loopier, um, but a high, pro- highly productive kid. You know, that's the thing we, we talk about with, uh, with defensive ends and, and guys that have high ceilings at defensive end, like Anai White uh, in Philadelphia. I think Anai White is further from it, probably has a little bit higher ceiling, but further from that ceiling. Denai can go in there and uh, he's highly productive as a high school kid. He's also very athletic, um, makes that makes things happen. And it's kind of like the, he's, he's the high floor, high ceiling kid. And, you know, sometimes it's, you get low floor, high ceiling, high floor, low ceiling, you know, it's just kind of all over the place. But if you can get high and high, that's a good place to be. So I, I think the, the comparison works out there. Um, different kind of, uh, of body types, but yeah, 
honestly, there, there, there was a time when I thought he might be inside full time. You know, he's a big kid. He, he's, he's six, just, I think just under six, five, uh, carries two fifty like it's two thirty five. You know, he's got, uh, he's got a lot of, uh, a lot to l- like in that frame, but this is a kid that can play at two sixty five, two seventy, and would not look out of place uh, on the end of the line at all. So yeah, I think he's, I think there's a lot to like in terms of what he brings to the table as a pass rusher, a guy that can eventually play the run as well. Um, but in, in terms of being a complete defensive end, they haven't brought in many like him. And this follows up July commitments from Zane Durant, interior lineman down in Orlando. Uh, of course, uh, you've got Ty- Tyrese Fearbury, uh, who is uh, out of Pittsburgh, an edge rusher. Um, and, and additionally, Ken Talley on board for a while. We've been talking about how he's gravitating toward that, uh, f- uh, putting himself in a three-point stance, not being that linebacker. I know speaking with him, that's where his mind is. He thinks he's going to be attacking off the edge at Penn State. Um, so really, you know, pretty swiftly here. And Caleb Artis, of course, I, I overlooked that. So in July, you've added three pieces uh, to your, or, I'm sorry, four pieces to your defensive front now with the night down a sudden. You, you tack that onto what you already had with Ken Talley, who he thinks ends up there. Is it about time where we talk about closing up shop on the defensive line recruiting, or is that a spot where, where maybe you're looking for another cherry on top down the stretch? I don't know that you're looking for another cherry on top. They they certainly would would like Alex Van Sumeren from Michigan to, to jump in the boat, the defensive tackle. As far as the edge goes, you're always looking for that type of guy. And because of the situation that they're in where, you know, there's not too many of them on the, on the current roster ready to play. If that guy becomes available, it's such a premium position. Maybe you make that guy a plus one. Um, I, I don't know that there's anybody that just sort of screams potential Nittany lion out of that group, but you know, you never know going into the fall, you get some official visits, maybe try and flip a guy or something like that. Um, you're always looking for edge, uh, you know, length on the edge, speed off the edge. And, and so I, I don't see too many more fireworks with this. I'm just kind of looking here. You, you obviously you have the potential of adding in a quote unquote potential edge guy in Abdul Carter. Um, I know we see him as a linebacker, but eventually could, you know, nature could win that one and he could eventually end up as a defensive end, did some really good things at camp as a defensive end. Jay Sean Barham might be in the same, um, in the same mold. Uh, DJ Wesselak from, uh, from Missouri, I believe it is, has been basically in daily contact with the staff. Wouldn't be shocked to see him visit. Um, so there's names out there, but looking where they're at at 21 commits, there's, there's not too much more room in there. And there's, there's a lot of guys, uh, defensive backfield still um, some some chips to fall there you still would like to add another linebacker they're still in on some wide receivers as we talked about in the uh, in the, uh, the the first episode this week not as many spots as they have targets and that's a good thing but at the same time you're probably gonna have to say no to some some pretty decent players. What's next at McDonough School? Well, this will be four out of five cycles, Sean, where Penn State signs a defensive player. Maybe offensive player gets involved here next. 2023 offensive lineman Antonio Tripp, uh, top 24-7 prospect in the 2023 class, the guy who has been to Happy Valley as recently as July. Uh, Another name to monitor, and it seems like every single cycle there'll be someone to, to focus in on down in McDonough. Yeah, McDonough's churning them out like uh, like few programs down there. Not just not just churning out scholarship guys, but high level scholarship guys. Penn State obviously has gotten a lot from PJ Mustafer. They they have high hopes for Devon Ellis. Curtis Jacobs is going to start for them um, as a freshman this year. So there's a lot of. Um, I guess, high level guys coming out of that school. They do a tremendous job of churning those guys out. I think deny 
is right up there with Jacobs in terms of the best prospects that they've been able to put out. Trip will be back on campus for the Lash Bash. I think he's a, a future crystal ball coming his way. Um, and they're just going to keep churning them out down there. Uh, Hakeem Sule, the, the head coach there, has done a fantastic job turning that into uh, one of those big time uh, talent producers in Maryland. Obviously, you look at um, the WCAC schools that Gonzaga, or excuse me, the, the, the Damathas, good councils have been able to put them out there. Gonzaga's in DC, and I know somebody will call me that on that, but St. Francis has evolved, but McDonough has been right up there. And, and to be honest with you, McDonough guys have hit at a higher rate than the St. Francis guys. I know St. Francis has a ton of talent and they do a fantastic job of getting guys spread out all over the place, but McDonough guys on the whole have been a little bit more successful. So I think that's an interesting subplot when you look at the last couple of years. 21 commitments once again now for Penn State. Uh, last cycle, they signed 17 total players. I'm including uh, the late addition who came in from Iowa Western Community College, Jordan Vandenberg. And then you factor in no Nate Bruce, uh, Lonnie White. We're not anticipating him being a part of this class. We're still waiting on the decision with the Pittsburgh Pirates and his draft status. But I th- you're going to end up with, what, 15 newcomers from that class last year. Now you're at 21, Sean. The next Thing to know here, Cam Miller announcing on Monday. There's been a few others we talked about in July. This thing's going to keep on going. We will be back with another episode. We're going to come to you from Big Ten Media Days, talk about this Penn State football program. But when a commitment like this breaks, we want to get some information analysis to you as soon as possible. Anything else to, to talk about here before we uh, close the chapter on the Deny Dennis Sutton commitment? And if you're looking for more on this, folks, it's all over lines247.com right now, the impact of this commitment. Yeah, and I think that kind of shows uh, how big of a commitment this is for Penn State. Uh, hope to get Deny on the podcast here soon to talk about. I know he's expressed interest and um, very, very sharp kid. This is a kid that I think you're going to see um, a lot of the branding um, for this class and for uh, you know for his future around that because I think uh, name, image, and likeness is something that they're trying to push hard and put for a guy like that. That, that that's a guy that can cash in certainly at this uh, with this new wave of uh, of money coming into to, to college football. So I think he's a tremendous kid. I, I, I can't wait to cover him at, at the next level. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a big, big one for Penn State. You sound like me when I was talking about Jason Away. You know that, right? Dude, it's it's one of those things. The first time I talked to him, I, I, I think I called Doan right after. I'm like, dude, it, this kid is, is unbelievable. Just kind of blew me away with maturity, with uh, the right questions uh, or the right answers and, and things like that. It's just um, really uh, – you, there, there's not too many of this kid floating around out there. And I'm a big fan of what he's uh, what he's been able to do and how he's been able to handle himself throughout the process. And that does lead me to wonder how he could help this group further along with their peer recruiting guys like Caden Saunders, Drew Shelton, Makai Flowers, Ken Talley, Drew Aller, Bo Perbula. They've been exceptional in that department. seems like they're adding a personality that's going to further enhance those efforts. Uh, they got a few more spots to fill, aiming high. Got a big one today. Deny Dennis Sutton. Thanks for joining us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. On behalf of Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. We'll talk to you real soon.